you have a Bible nearby, let's go to Isaiah chapter 9. The teaching series for Advent has kind of you know, been uh, altered from what I thought it would be. So tonight I'm going to press two sermons together. Uh, but it, it does not mean that we'll be here for super long, so don't worry about that. Um, we've been looking at Isaiah chapter 9. And kind of for this season of, of Advent, kind of been centering around the idea that, that Jesus is a gift to us. And exactly what that means... Uh, has, it remains to be seen fully, I, I believe, because I think that probably to all of us uh, who have pressed into that idea and kind of really s- sat in that a little bit to think about Jesus as a gift, it probably continues to mean different things to all of us. But corporately, I think it means something you know, pretty special too. And we'll get into that in, in a couple of weeks. And just know that we're certainly not going to leave this idea here just because Advent ends you know, and stuff like that. So Advent um, is is the part of the church calendar where we acknowledge, celebrate, rejoice in, ponder, meditate on, talk about uh, the, the arrival of Jesus, the coming of Jesus to the earth. Not only the first time, but also the second time. And so, uh, you know, we, of, of course, we sing about the incarnation and we sing about, uh, you know, Jesus being born and being in a manger and the shepherds and the kings and uh, Mary and Joseph and all those kinds of things that make that story just so unique and awesome and weird and everything about it. Uh, but greater than that is the, is the word becoming flesh and dwelling among us. You know, that God himself would leave heaven, come to earth in the form of a human like us, you know, and um, and that that's really the stumper for this whole thing. You know, I mean, you can take the you can take the the whole situation with Mary and Joseph and how like strange that is. And you can take the star appearing and the shepherds coming, you know, being the first ones to see him and the king showing up, you know, a good while later. And like you can take all the things and everything about that. That's just like, man, what a unique story. All that stuff is trumped by the fact that that little baby was God that the king of the universe was a baby. And he was born, and he w- grew up, and like everything about his life, all just the the fact that the word became flesh and dwelt among us is like that's that's the big emphasis. And not only has he come the first time and done all all of those the, all the stuff that we're talking about and everything we love about the Lord, but Advent is, support, is supposed to point us toward his second coming as well. That we, we may discuss and sing about so much His first coming, but it's supposed to like build this anticipation in us, this longing in us for His next return when all of the garbage that this world has to offer us is done away with and set right. And so even, you know, it's very appropriate, and I said this last week, appropriate that for us as a church, a part of the way we celebrate Advent this year is that we're grieving the loss of Jonathan. But it points to everything that Advent is, is about, you know. That Jesus came to fix the broken world and set everything right. And so Jonathan uh, was an example of the brokenness of the world. And not just because he had Gaucher's disease, I mean, that's part of it. But Jonathan's, I mean, also the fact that he was born a sinner, just like you and I were. And he needed to be set right. His soul needed to be redeemed and set right. And proof that it was is the, is the fact that we know uh, from his life and his profession and all, everything about him and all the fruit that came out of his life 
that with Jesus as his Savior, the Spirit has, was given as a guarantee, as a deposit into his life. And when, when his physical body gave out last Saturday, he continued to live on. He was just escorted right into the presence of God. And so Jonathan is not dead. Like we said last week, Jonathan lives. And he's proof of what Jesus came to do. The fact that Jonathan is there right now is proof that Jesus is for real. And it's an example of what he's come to do. And so in, in us celebrating Advent, we should be able to look at Jonathan and we should, just, we should say, I can't wait for that to happen to me. I can't wait for that to happen to you. I can't wait for that to happen to the earth. I can't wait for that to happen to everyone. I can't wait for Jesus to come back and just fix all this stuff. And so by that, I don't mean we should be like so ready for everybody to die. That's not what I'm saying. But we should be greatly anticipating the day when there, are, there is no more Gaucher's disease and no more cancer, no more uh, famine, no more school shootings, no more of any of that kind of stuff. That's, that's what this season should remind us of is, hey, there's a day that's coming and it's going to be incredible. And so that's what, that's what Advent is. That's what we're supposed to be doing. And so we've, we've tried as, as a church to kind of bring that stuff in. We've been singing some songs that, that deal with the first coming and the second coming. We've been looking in Isaiah 9 at this description of the Savior that was to come and exactly how all that fits in. And so in Isaiah 9, verse 6, it says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And so the plan was to take those, those different descriptions and kind of unpack those and help, help us to see, going back to the first part of the verse that says, uh, to us a child is born, to us a son is given, that Jesus is a gift to us. And the thing about a gift is that you don't earn a gift. And this season, uh, you know, the Christmas season in our world is it's constantly um, affirming this, this narrative in our lives, this narrative in the world that, that you earn everything, that you earn it all. And even down to like making sure that you're good so that you get gifts, that's affirming over and over and over again this idea that like, okay, anything that good, any good that comes my way, it's because I've worked hard for it. It's because I deserve it. And if you're not good, then you won't get stuff. And then it's, that's the same narrative. It's just in the, set in the negative sense. So, okay, so I didn't get this, so I must not have worked hard enough. I must not have been good enough. I must not have whatever. See, those are, those are rewards Jesus is a gift, and a gift is given out of love and is evidence of the relationship that's there. That's, that's what a gift is. So I was, was thinking about it, and I didn't bring it with me, but I have this, I have this coffee mug, and it says uh, Colorado, and has a mountain on it. And, uh, and I'm like everybody else. I have like a million random coffee mugs, and very few of them have a story attached to it. This one has a story attached to it because my friend Jonathan, your friend Jonathan, he went on this, this incredible ski trip a couple years ago to Colorado. And I wouldn't have believed it if I hadn't seen pictures of a dude on a snowboard. Uh, and he looked awesome. And he had a blast. 
And when he got back from the trip, I couldn't, you know, I was just ready to hear all these stories and wanted to see pictures of him snowboarding. And just my mind just blown that he had this opportunity, you know, and, and everything. And uh, he was like, he was like, hey, he's like, before I show you the pictures, let me give you this. And he pulls out this coffee mug and it said Colorado on it with a mountain on it. He's like, I got you this in Colorado. Okay. As evidenced by the fact that it says Colorado and has a mountain on it. And uh, he said, I saw that and I knew like Josh loves coffee and Josh loves mountains. <laughs> awesome. And so he gave me that gift. I didn't earn that gift. He wasn't like, hey, you know, like you give me a bunch of rides, so I've, I got you something. That's earning it. He saw that and thought of me and bought it, brought it to me and gave it as a gift. And I received it from him as a gift. That is a shadow of a greater reality. That God has given us a gift in Jesus, not because we've earned it, but because he loves us. And it's evidence of the relationship that he designed us to have with him. In fact, if, if it was about earning, we would not have been given Jesus. So, we talked about wonderful counselor, and we talked about mighty God. Wonderful counselor coming down to the idea that, that Jesus is... Like he is the perfect one to counsel you through something because he has experienced everything that we have, but he didn't stumble into sin in any situation that he ever faced. So if you go and you read, read Hebrews 4, Hebrews 5, it paints this picture of this man who walked the earth and battled his way through all kinds of stuff, everything that we're going to face at the root issue, and yet he was without sin. And so who better than the God of the universe who became flesh, dwelt among us? Who better to help us navigate through things that we don't understand? And I promise you I'm not going to talk about Jonathan a ton, but let's go back to last week. Who better to navigate you as an individual and us as a church through the grieving process than the God of the universe who came here and who lost friends and lost family members? And the, you know, the shortest verse in the Bible, what is it? Jesus wept. Why was he weeping? Because his buddy died. He, know, he understands it. He knows how to grieve without sinning. He knows how to grieve without making it all about him. He knows how to, how to grieve without, um, like, without taking it to some sort of extreme, without blaming someone. without doing. He knows how to grieve. He knows how to make it through there. And so, as the wonderful counselor, in one translation, called him the magnificent strategist. He knows how to step us through that in a way that is holy and perfect. That's a gift to you and to me. Then mighty God, that He is the one who literally spoke the universe into existence. He just decided when, you know, He was like, uh, you know, God, God the Father was like, we need, to, we need to make some stars. And Jesus was like, okay, stars. And there were stars. He has that kind of power, that kind of... Uh, that kind of might, that he can just speak things into existence. And so when you put Wonderful Counselor and Mighty God together, you have a counselor who's helping step you through your grief and a mighty God who is empowering every effort in your obedience that you're making. So you, if you sit down with someone and, you, and you, wanna, you want some wise counsel, they can, tell you, they can give you wise counsel, but they can't empower you to walk out what they're telling you. And a part of the gift of Jesus is the fact that he'll not only tell you what to do, he'll help you do it. He'll give you the strength to do it. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, 
Now we turn to the next one. Everlasting Father. Now, this is not Father in a Trinitarian sense. Okay, so, uh, you know, Trinity, there's, there's the Father, there's the Son, there's the Spirit. It's not Everlasting Father in the sense of, like, confusing the members of the Trinity or role of the Trinity. Um, by Father, it's meaning the, the heart, the character of a true leader and father. And some in interpretations of this passage, you know, kind of liken this to kingship, you know. And so whether, whether you're thinking king or whether you're thinking, you know, father figure or whatever, uh, when you look into, like, the meaning of these words in Hebrew, it's, it, it involves things like protection and providing and caregiving and goodness. And so a part of the gift of Jesus is the fact that we've been given someone who cares about us. Like a father cares for his children. Like a king should care for his people. He's making sure they have everything that they need. They're not afraid, that they're not in need of something, that they're not being unrealistic. They're not buying into lies, but they're grounded in truth. With this father that's just steadily there making sure that his kids have what they need. That's the picture that's being painted. In Matthew 7, you don't need to flip to it. Matthew 7, Jesus says this uh, when he's talking about, um, you know, asking will be given to you, seeking you will find. Uh, he says, which one of you... If his son asks him for bread, we'll give him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a serpent. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? You know, he's, Jesus is pointing to like, earthly dads, and he's like, okay, like you, guys are, you guys are messed up. But if your kid wants... Some, something to eat, you're not going to give him a snake. You're not going to give him a rock. You're going to give your kids something to eat. And so if, if earthly like parents can get that right, being all messed up and whatever, he's like, then like, contrast that to like, the Holy One in Heaven. The fact that He is good and He does good all the time. And so everlasting Father, that's what we're talking about, this provision and protection and care and goodness that's there. And when you, but when you bring everlasting in, into it, like everlasting means everlasting. Look it up in Hebrew, study it, study it as much as you want, do a word study all you want. It means what it means. It means that He will outlast everything and His provision, and His protection, and His care, and His goodness. And some of you have parents, have earthly parents, who have quit on you. Jesus won't quit. Some of you have parents who weren't able to to last. Put, just put it that way. Jesus will last. 
That's a gift to us. In a different sense, not in a sense that some of your parents have quit, but even just this, this, the life cycle that we're on, at some point, uh, all of us are going to pass away. So what happened to Jonathan is not unique in that sense. It's guaranteed for us. And so we're constantly unable to last, with, even just with one another, in our lifespan. And here is this gift of an everlasting Father. That we don't have to worry about each other. That, that Jonathan could, he could go on and be with Jesus and know that his Jesus was going to outlast him on the earth. That Jesus would take care of his mom. Jesus would take care of his stuff. Jesus would take care of us. And we would be okay. He's the everlasting Father. He outlasts everything. And He won't quit on you. What a gift for the Word to become flesh and dwell among us and to never give up on us. Never, ever, ever. That is a precious treasure that we should, like that should amp us up. We didn't earn that. You didn't earn that. And because you didn't earn that, you're not going to like have a bad day or have a bad week or have a bad year and lose it. It's, the, it's a gift to us. Everlasting Father. And then it says, Prince of Peace. So you look at peace. We've talked about this before. We're not, we're not meaning the lack of conflict. Uh, you know, nobody's fighting. Okay, this is peace. That's not, that's not what it is in, a, in an earthly sense. Peace, this word is, it's one of the most just rich words. You know, shalom. It's just, it's so deep. And it really just means that, that there's a wholeness that exists. That, that things are exactly as God wants them and intends for them to be. Tim Keller describes it as, as like a fabric and, and how in all of life, like all these things are woven together like this fabric. And when, when there's a rip in the fabric, that's where shalom is not, is not existing. You know, that's a lack of shalom, a lack of peace. And so, you know, two weeks ago, there was a group of us that went to uh, New York to the Bowery Mission uh, it was a homeless mission in New York City. And, and so for a week, we were face-to-face with homelessness and cycles of poverty. And, uh, you know, men, women, children, old, young, whatever, who found themselves with nothing to eat and with no money. And so there's a rip in the fabric of our world in that sense. Because God, as everlasting Father, no everlasting Father looks down and says... That it's okay for this group of people to be hungry, or needy, or poor, or unloved, rejected, whatever. And so, places like the Bowery Mission are, are taking that rip in the fabric, and God's using them to weave it all back together and mend that. And so they're feeding, and they're clothing, and they're offering, uh, offering a residential program to help these men go from living on the streets to back at work, living on their own, helping them reconcile with families, break free from addiction, so they're taking that rip in the fabric and they're 
God's using them to weave that back together and to restore the shalom and put things back to what, the way that He intends for them to be. It's, it's about wholeness, completion. It's about things being just right. And so there are these rips in the fabric all over the place. And even when we take our offering tonight, this is one way that God is allowing us to be a part of uh, putting the fabric back together and bringing shalom where there has been chaos. And so, uh, and so, th- so when we see Prince of Peace, that's, that's what we need to be thinking is that restoration that happens, the setting of all things right. And so Jesus is the Prince of that. He's the ruling authority over the setting of all things right. He's the boss of fixing everything. And so the word we have to, like, one of the, a part of the thing we have to like, bring into our minds is that when we see Prince of Peace, we have to see authority. Like he's the one that's able to say no more. And so you combine those things together, and God has given us, as a gift, the one who can make all this stuff happen. He's given us this magnificent strategist who guides us through the things, the things in life we don't know how to get through it. And He empowers every step of our obedience in what He's told us to do. And He does so with the care and the protection and provision of a Father who will not quit Constantly exercising that authority over all things to repair all the rips in the fabric, whether it's one in your own heart and mind and life, or whether it's one that's in it's things like homelessness in New York. I mean, it's something that's bigger than that. He's the authority, constantly mending, repairing, guiding, empowering, caring, providing. That's who He is. And this is a gift that God said, Here, humans, this is what you need. It's just the most beautiful thing. And it's mind-blowing when you think about how we, what we really deserve. And in the most gracious act ever, God hands us His Son as a gift. And you know, I watched... Uh, okay, so the other night, I, was, I, have no, I don't really know how to grieve... Uh, like someone, you know, like a peer of mine. You know, it's been a long time since that happened and stuff. So, uh, part of my grief on Monday, I took a nap. I thought, Jonathan would be okay with that. He took a lot of naps. Um, so I took a nap and do different things. And, and one night this past week, I'm not sure which one, uh, I was like, I'm, I'm going to watch a movie to honor Jonathan. And uh, so I, and I hadn't seen The Dark Knight Rises, you know, whatever. So I watched that. I hated it. I thought it was terrible. Uh, just my opinion. Um, but I was thinking about it today that, you know, so Batman, <laughs> Batman, he's this like, and as portrayed in this trilogy, okay, so if you're like a Batman, like a Batman guy or, or girl, uh, don't come and fight me later because 
according to the comic version, this happened or this or whatever. But like, based on these movies, Batman is not, he's just like super impersonal. Right? Like somebody's in trouble, he swoops in, does something crazy, says, you know, grumbles something awkwardly, <laughs> and then he's gone. Everybody's like, yay, Batman, you know. But nobody, they don't know who he is, you know, there's like this mystery behind that, and this and this and this. And there's just all this, he's just, he's this impersonal savior, you know. And God, he could have done that, I guess, you know. Like he could have, like very quietly, like sent Jesus to the earth, let him live a sinless life, to, like to accomplish all the, the technical, like sacrificial, you know, uh, substitutionary atonement type things, you know, he could have died on the cross and all that stuff, and, and kept it relatively quiet. And and so we could have had like a Batman-ish Messiah, you know, that came. But God, because he because he is relational, okay, Father, Son, Spirit. There's a relationship there. He's a relational God. The gift that He gave us is a relational gift. So we don't have this like Batman figure who comes in and saves everything and goes back away. We have this beautiful rescuer who chose to come to earth and live here for a while. And he leaves and he sends his spirit and he's interceding for us now. I mean, Jesus is praying for us in this very moment. Like Jesus is praying for our time here. He's interceding as we go. He's personal. It's, it's a gift. But the gift wasn't some like mechanical list of things that He can do for us or has done for us. The gift was Himself. And so, whether, it's, whether we're thinking in personal terms or in like corporate humanity terms or anywhere in between, when I say Jesus is a gift, it's not like the stuff that He was able to do for us. It's Him. Like, it's Him. He is the gift. So He's given us this relational gift to guide us and to empower us and to care for us and to reign supreme over that repairing of all the rips in the fabric and to lead us and keep us in true shalom. And so what what do you do with a gift? You, You receive the gift, you know? And Jonathan was like, hey, I brought you this coffee mug. I was like, thank you. I took it. And it's at my house, and I use it regularly. That's what Jesus wants for us. And that's a part of Advent. It's like, look how He has come, and He is coming again, and now we live in between the two arrivals of Jesus, and what are we supposed to do in the meantime? Let the wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, do His thing. Receive that. Embrace that. Love it. Celebrate it. Live in between those arrivals. And make sure that everybody knows who He is and how good He is. Everybody knows about this gift. You know? I mean, we've all received something at some point and we just couldn't help but telling people, tell people, tell people, tell people. I think Jesus should be the same way. Like We should just be that kind of amped about it. We're like, look at this gift that God has given us. This, we should be overjoyed with it. And so, I think a lot of it comes down to 
us being able to live in the kingdom of God now. That, that Jesus wants us to know that this um, description of Him is not something that's just for the future. It's not something for the past, and it's not something for other people. It's for, it's for now. And so we need to see Christmas and Advent, we need to see these things through a kingdom lens and let that reframe the way that we celebrate things and the way we approach things and even in our, even in our worship, you know. And so we, you know, we sang some songs this morning that would, this morning, a little while ago, a few minutes ago, that would be considered Christmas carols. But there's a massive amount of truth in all those songs that we were singing and we're going to sing some songs here you know, right now that, that kind of paint the full picture. You know, The first coming, the second coming, the, the reigning and rule of Jesus over all things. And so as we do this, let's, let's let the Lord continue to paint this picture and continue to make it more and more clear to us just how beautiful of a gift Jesus is. So we're going to sing a little bit and we'll... We'll, we'll collect our offering as a, another reflection of what Advent means to us. But, but let's, let's press into this moment and let's really just let the Lord uh, do His thing among us. Let's pray together. Lord, as our, as our wonderful Counselor and Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, We, we acknowledge that we, don't, we haven't earned you. You know, we haven't worked really hard, and so you're what we get. But because you love us and because your plan is not for us to live under a curse, or for us to have life abundantly, you have... You have made all this real. We thank you, Jesus, for coming to the earth and coming in the way that you did. And for the fact that we can celebrate those promises that were kept. And by holding on to those, we can look forward to your next arrival. Knowing that you are coming and that you are making all things new. And whether we're talking about making the earth new or making our physical bodies new or making our souls new, pray, Lord, that we would just fully embrace this, this really broad understanding that, you're able, that you give us through your word of exactly what is going on here, that you would help us to continue to see the kingdom more and more clearly. That we know it's not a future thing exclusively. That it's, it's a now thing. And by receiving you and the, and, and the gift, Jesus, that you are to us. By embracing that counsel and, and your might in empowering us. And by letting you love us and care for us. And by going into those places where the, the fabric has been torn. Whether it's in our own minds or someone else's by doing those things we're living in the kingdom of God in the here and now so help us Lord and use 
Use the lyrics of these songs even. Pray that you would pack all this stuff together to help us to soak everything up tonight that you want. We love you so much. We pray this all in your good name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together and let's sing.